The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, Kinky Connections, and Kinky Education. We're kinky, done differently. what women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun discussion about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy, as well as an intimate discussion about how to connect with our own authentic self. With questions asked by a guy. And now here is your host, John, or as we call him around here, hi there, catsuit. Hello there, Nookie, and welcome to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. I'm John, also known as Hi There, Katsu, and I'm just back from Chicago and Minneapolis, where I had a dreamy trip to Kinky College and some amazing visits with former guests from this show. I'll have details in the upcoming weeks, and in fact, we'll have some special bonus content and our first ever in-person interview direct from Jean Bardot's dungeon with Lilith Corruptula. And this week, we go to Chicago to meet the Chicago Mistress, who also happens to be the St. Louis Mistress. But no matter the location, she dominates the scene with a smell of leather leading the way. Labels help define us when we first start out in this life and when first meeting someone new. For Mistress Simone, she hates to place spirits in cages and does not feel labels are all defining on who you are. However, to give a hint of who she is, here are some of her labels. Woman, career dominatrix for 28 years, lifestyle lecturer and educator, leather title holder, including being the only female title holder with two international titles. A fearless press, kinkly, and leatherati columnist. Alternative sexuality writer, kink academy educator, sadist, pervert, fetishist, bisexual, Chicago club femme headmistress. It's the longest running branch outside of Texas. Owner of The Studio, Chicago's premier private play space, and The Studio in St. Louis, Missouri. Stockroom copywriter on Chastity Lifestyle in 2009 and 10. Author of the book, The Toy Bag Guide to Chastity. Leather contest judge and shoe and boot whore. And in every case, an amazing woman who brings protocol to the forefront and femdom to the room. Here now is Mistress Simone on what women and other wonderful humans want. It's five questions about memorable firsts. We call it the first five. Your first kinky encounter. Can you tell me about it? 
Is this an age appropriate show? No, it isn't. You can give me all the details because obviously this is a show presented by Dating Kinky. So I think you can get away with anything. Okay. Well, on that note, then my first unknown kink experience was probably when I was about five. And my mother would say, I actually have it on film, believe it or not. There was a little boy who had a tricycle in the neighborhood and I would make him give me rides all around the block. And I would stand on the back of his tricycle, holding on and going, make a left, let's go right, let's do this. And he would just drive me around. Uh, my mother thought it was so amusing that I was bossing the, the little neighborhood boy around. My actual, I would say adult experience probably came around age 15, 16 when I tied up and spanked my first boyfriend. Neither one of us kind of really knew what we were doing. It was just like, oh, this sounds fun. And he was submissive. So let's give this a try. So probably about 15 is when I first delved into the actual activities, still not knowing what it is though. When was your first inkling of actually getting into the lifestyle, realizing that it was a thing? I was very lucky, actually, I still am very lucky that I grew up and was evolving in the Chicago kink community. So I, as a goth kid and a heavy metal, they kind of cross over. So most of my outfits were already edgy. I was wearing the leather miniskirts, the boots, and I'm a huge leather fetishist. It's my first love. So I kind of just segued into it. When I was dressing like that in high school, I met people who were also alternative and they introduced me some local groups. And way back when in Chicago, we had munches and sloshes and there would be like fetish nights at the bars. And, you know, I'm underage, but I'm in Chicago. So we still go. <laughs> so when I started going out and doing the circuit of the bar nights and the fetish nights, and meeting kinky people and they would we would go to a munch together that was kind of my segue into the lifestyle first experience as a professional dominatrix the first solo client i experienced was a wonderful gentleman uh, about a year and a half into my career it was my first time going on my own after being apprenticed being an apprentice he, he was into spanking. And, and as you know, many of us start with corporal. That's one of our first skills that we learn. So he was very sweet. He was an elderly gentleman and he was so courteous and so polite. And he just wanted a nice little OTK. And I had a great time giving it. First time you stepped into the studio and your feelings walking in. The current location of the studio is about 13 years now. Prior to that, I've had my own studio location in Chicago since 95. Yes, 95. But the current incarnation, building it and then stepping back and seeing how it developed. And it was kind of like the, the end result of so many years of hard work. And it was like my realm, my domain, and all of, all of the people that were there helping me, putting things up and hanging things on walls. And when it all came together and there was this gorgeous play space, it was very overwhelming and a little bit, 
heartwarming in the fact that I built this and my community built it with me. That's beautiful. First time you ever donned a leather outfit that you believed was so far and beyond anything you ever imagined and you're feeling wearing it. The first time I realized I was in head to toe northbound leather, which they're my go-to ultimate leather manufacturer that going 25 years back now. But, you know, as I stated earlier, I've worn leather since I was in high school, but, you know, but back then we had Wilson's <laughs> and I'm probably mm-hmm. aging myself, but it was, I would go to Wilson's leather, get a mini skirt, get a dress, which I still have. But the first time I donned specific designer pieces that I had purchased or had been gifted to me by my submissives and realized that the leather was so soft and every piece came from this exquisite manufacturer just took my breath away. And we will find out more ways. That breath has been taken away when we continue with Mistress Simone on what women and other wonderful humans want in just a moment. Hi, folks. Key Barrett here, and I've got a question for you. Do you think your wife or girlfriend makes the best decisions and you want to support her any way you can? Ladies, do you think your partner works best when they're told exactly what you want. You both might be looking for a female-led relationship. From mild to wild, these strong relationships have one thing in common, satisfaction. Read Surrender Submit Server on Audible, Kindle, and Paperback today to start your female-led journey, and good luck. Hi, this is Rachel Leadham, aka The Conscious Masochist. I'm an author and sadomasochism integration mentor who encourages the mindful exploration of your dark side. I offer astrological birth chart readings to interpret your sadomasochistic blueprint through the clues found within your chart. You can learn more about my work, including the ebook Conscious Masochism, at my website, www.rachelleadham.com. And join us on Instagram at The Conscious Masochist. And be sure to check out my episode in the archives of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Realizing that you're polyamorous can be a wonderful insight. The Polyamory Dating Guide is a book about finding other people who share your view of polyamory and want to share it with you. This book includes a variety of sections on poly-specific dating, such as navigating online dating with a review of poly-specific dating sites and how to make a profile that works, real-time dating tips that will tell you where to find polyam people and how to make a positive impression, how to date as an existing couple, and if you should, dating as an introvert, queer in dating, and lots more. Get your copy at polyamorydatingguide.com. Hi, this is Venus, and I have a special message going out to all the single ladies listening right now. What if you could have a committed, loving relationship with a partner who is monogamous to you, but who would love to see you have sexual experiences with others? Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it's not. You really can have your cake and eat it too. You can have it all. Learn more at venusconnections.com. That's venusconnections.com. Throughout the years of my career, people have always kind of defaulted as treating me like a victim. And I have kind of 
equated it to the character I created, Jewel Marceau, the damsel in distress. And I wonder if that hasn't just leaked over into people's minds that Jewel Marceau is this damsel in distress and she just always needs to be rescued and she's so helpless and oh, poor her. And this is another uh, reason as to why I have wanted to become a dominatrix. Raw emotions, honest truth from the icon, Mistress Jewel Marceau. April 5th on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. And now back to this episode of What Women and other wonderful humans want. Welcome back to the show, joined by Mr. Simone from Chicago. I've just come back from a trip as we record this. Uh, I'm about to go on the trip, but as it airs, I'm about to get back from a trip to Chicago. What is it about Chicago that is so magical when it comes to kink? <laughs> hmm. Well, I think that we have the, I don't want to say unique perspective, because there are other cities like New York and LA and Boston that have very good communities. I think that Chicago being in the Midwest, we're a little bit more grounded. And I don't want to insult our the other fellow cities because I love New York and LA. When I was growing up, I had the fortune to be involved in the gay leather community as well as what was known then as the het and there was an immense amount of crossover between the two they were very supportive of each other so you know one day we're going to the gay leather bar and the next week we're going to a vanilla dungeon so i don't know if it has to do with population or the immersion in a unique subset of kink that didn't really exist in a lot of other areas. So we got a lot of education and involvement from a wide variety of people. Does More Chicago, opportunities, I guess. Does Chicago have a certain style? Loud, brash, and in your face. <laughs> So like? if I were to come to your dungeon, would you be loud, brash, and in my face? <laughs> I, me. I, I could say yes, but it would really depend on what you what we were going to do together. But uh, I tend to be, I don't have a very good filter at times. Uh, I speak what is my truth and what comes out is usually how I'm feeling. What I tell people when they serve me personally is I say what I mean. And if I tell you that, you know, punishment is done, move on, then we're going to move on. If I tell you that I will not see you because uh, you lied or you did something that I felt was inappropriate, then that's what I mean. If I say that I enjoy your company, that's what I mean. I, I think that Chicagoans are very clear about what they desire or want and there's not a lot of 
game playing. And that's very nice in this culture where one of the classes that I taught at Kinky College talked a lot about the ask versus guest culture, where we're brought up as kids in the ask culture. We ask what we want. And if we get a yes or no, that's what we get. But as culture has moved on, it's kind of hinting around what you want and not really saying what you want. And when you do, sometimes it comes off as pushy or bossy, which it's not supposed to because you're simply asking things. In your particular case, I did listen to a little podcast that was recorded a few years ago that happened to be hosted by you. And it was your first ever episode. And oh, you no. talked about being a little bit of a control freak. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Hmm. Good question. And I'm just relaunching my website. It's getting a complete overhaul after 10 years. And one of the main things you'll see in it is that it mentions control uh, quite a lot, specifically in the context of BDSM. And I feel that it can be a blessing and a curse depending on what I'm doing. Control is probably my main kink. When someone says, hey, what's your main kink? Everybody's like, oh, spanking, bondage, CBT. You know? and, and I had to really think about that when I started developing my website because it's like you list so many things you know, I'm into this as a professional, I'm into this as a professional, but when I stripped away all of the activities, because there's so much I like to do, I found that what was left was me controlling my submissive, regardless of whether we were engaged in a heavy bondage scene or suffocation scene or a spanking scene, it was my control over their input, their sensory input, their responses, their look that got me off. So mm-hmm. I feel that as a mistress, controlling my submissives and getting the exchange between us is what turns me on. Now, on the flip side, you know, controlling my environment and being extremely rigid is not a good thing. So you have to stay balanced with it. You know, if I refuse to move on, you know, or be fluid on a principle or a concept in my life, that would probably make me a little narrow-minded. So I try to keep my control balanced where it's like, okay, you know, yes, I want him to do 50 push-ups, but he has bad knees, so maybe not. I think the difference in control when it comes from having to feel like you're in control of something, I go back to a one-man improv show that I did and produced and promoted and did everything (laughs) right. And I remember being backstage ready to go on stage. Now, remember, this is a one-man improv show, so it's just me. And the music is playing and the producer side of me is going, the music's not loud enough. It needs to be louder. And at that exact moment, I said, what in the hell are you thinking, John? Right. 
you're about to perform, you need to put everything else out of your head. And to me, that's where the control freak part of me became bad. Right. And it was get out of your head and just be you. Exactly. And you have to kind of remember that if you're a control freak, like apparently you and I both are, (laughs) (laughs) and there's just some things you cannot control, or there are some things that are a bad judgment call and you have to be balanced enough to know that when it is that way. I talked a lot with Lady Vi from Seattle about this particular subject, and I definitely wanted to broach it with you. The role of connection within a scene. So many people in the outside world have this misconception that it's kinky sex. You have to separate those two words because the joy of kink, at least from my perspective, is the moment. It's the feeling of belonging to someone or belonging with someone. Talk to me about the role of connection within both your work and your life. Good, good question again. Boy, you're, you're hard. <laughs> so, you know, connection gets thrown around a lot in our kinky lifestyle. You know, you have to have a connection. You don't have to have a connection. And I was talking with a good friend of mine via internet and his name is, is Ray Spanion. You may know him. Mm-hmm. He recently put up an article that said you don't have to have an emotional connection or be in a relationship with someone that you want to play with. That it can just be play. And I mentioned to him, I said, yes, I agree with you. I, I, I do not have to be emotionally connected or, you know, in a set relationship. Otherwise I wouldn't be in this career that I am if I had to have that as part of my play. Mm-hmm. However, I feel that connection even with someone who I only see once and I'm never going to see again is an important viable part of our play encounter. It can be as simple as we laugh over a mutual, you know, silly TV show, or one of us does something funny, or it can be something as vulnerable as crying. You know, I've had OTK scenes where the person, you know, comes in to get spanked so that they can cry and that they can have that release. And I'm there connected to them, reaching out, letting them know it's okay and, and that I'm here and, and this is safe. So connection isn't as simple as you're in a relationship with this person or your, you know, your power dynamic is established 24 seven. It can be just reaching out and letting that other person know that you're there for them. Whether it's through laughter and crying or the activity that you're doing. And that lets someone know that they're not alone. They're not alone in, in the world. They're not alone in the kink that they have someone who sees them. And if you, that's what I think connection is. You seeing the other person. And when you have a scene with somebody, if it involves restraint, 
I know that when I have played, the more restraint that is put on to me and the less in control I feel, the heavier the connection is with who I'm playing with. Because with every strap, every cuff, every tie of a piece of rope, I am putting more and more trust into that person. Agree. You're, you're putting yourself in their hands and letting them take you to a, a space where you can be that vulnerable and you know that it's going to be okay because you've developed a trust with them. And it can happen in, you know, after your fourth session with a person, or it can happen after four minutes, you've met them. You know, trust is something that it has, you know, people say, you know, respect and trust have to be earned, but you can usually develop trust, getting to know the person or have an interesting feeling of this is someone I can play with. Do you have stories of what I would call life-changing reactions to you after a session where somebody discovers a part of themselves that they had absolutely hidden away and are finally ready to say, this is me? Yes. Yes. Uh, I have quite a few of those. And that is what makes my career and chosen path in life extra special. And I have had people that have come to see me because they've had traumatic experiences. They've had PTSD and we've played and connected and they've had that, you know, epiphany of, you know, being able to be who they are. I've also played with people that had no idea they had past experiences that were abusive or unhappy and they would break down in scene and just have a watershed moment of, Oh my God, I didn't know X happened to me. I didn't know that this happened. And and now you've made me remember it through our play and now I can start processing it. And that is part of the reason I've stayed in my career for so long. And to be able to have a career in this, I'm sure it took a lot of paying dues. It took a lot of trial and error. What's been the success for you being able to do this for more than 20 years? I'm a stubborn bitch. (laughs) 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 Um. Hmm. Now let's have any serious answer, Simone. <laughs> <laughs> Tenacity, mm-hmm. uh, honesty, the fact that uh, I'm pretty broad in my interests. I like a variety of play, but also I'm open to trying new things that people bring to my attention. The biggest thing probably is sticking to my values of uh, truism and and being who I am and never pretending to be a different kind of mistress than I am. And what you see is kind of what you get. Authenticity. Yes. 
thank you. That was the word I was looking for. <laughs> What's that word? It's one of my favorite words. I want to make a little slight right-hand turn here and talk yeah. about one part of what you love in particular, which is femdom. I will share a story with you and I wanted to get your thoughts on it and then also understand a lot more about what femdom is to you. There have been a couple of femdom parties here in the Cincinnati area where I have seen pictures uh, from them. And it was a set of uh, dames who had the men all lined up with me being in roller derby for a while, it, it hit home to me, except it was on their chest instead of their arm with numbers on them. It was closed, uh, clothed female, naked males. And it seemed to be very much a party atmosphere, which was what about what it was that the females wanted. Not so much that the males were there to serve them. It was what the females wanted. I know femdom takes many different types of flavors and many different kinds of, of styles and ways. What does the term femdom mean to you? I agree with your uh, perception in regards to it takes many different forms. And I'm not going to judge another's form of expression, uh, especially if it fits their personality and they're, they're doing it safely with consent. And they were, absolutely. I want to make that perfectly clear. But this right. has been my first impression of what a femdom party is. Right. All right. Uh, I, wow, that's a tough one. <laughs> Ladies, he asks the tough questions, just so you know. <laughs> and you all give the most wonderful answers, which is why I do it. So when, when I hear the word femdom, I guess I'm old school because it immediately translates into me to female dominant, a, a female who is the dominant in the encounters, the relationship. I am more of a classic style, and I hate to use that word because it gets such a bad rep nowadays, but to me, it's female-led relationships. It, it, it doesn't matter if it's a male or a female or a bisexual or trans or queer. It, it, in my component, I am the I identify as female. That's my label. That's what I choose to use. I'm also the dominant you know, or a dominant personality. So in regards to the contexts of BDSM, the dominant to me is the one who's in charge. Mm -hmm. And I'm not big on, God, how can I say this? Uh, I prefer a, a more elegant form of female domination. And don't take, don't get me wrong. I love to, you know, uh, objectify my submissives. One of my favorite things to do is objectification. I mm -hmm. love it, but I don't. And, and I also love stripping them of their 
personality and uh, letting their brain free themselves from all the things that society puts on us. So a little bit of dehumanization, mm-hmm. but I'm also of the ilk that the reason I want you to serve me is because I at least enjoy your personality or want to be able to manipulate that personality and, and kind of mold it. And I always tell people to, I like to leave my submissives better off than when they first came to see me. Mm-hmm. It's a growing experience. So if someone chooses to leave me after, you know, an hour or five years or whatever, I'm hoping that I'm le- that they're leaving me a more well-balanced and educated and rounded personality. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I should have turned off all the grandfather clocks. <laughs> <laughs> so I know this is a very long-winded answer, but that's a that's a multi-layered question. It's not something I can just say, well, you know, femdom means female dominant. Well, yes, but there's so many layers to that cookie, you know, that I could eat it like an Oreo and just keep eating. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's a hard answer. It's a hard question to answer because it is fluid. Mm-hmm. And it also depends on the person I'm with. Uh, with, you know, it depends on, am I with a fetishist? Am I with a sissy? Am I with a hardcore bondage person? Am I with a masochist? Who am I engaging with? And that depends on my actions, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I have the, cho- the choice. I can choose to engage with them. I don't have to. I do tell everyone that when they engage with me on a BDSM level that I am in charge. We may just be simply doing a bondage scene and you don't want any kind of mistress submissive action. That's fine. I can respect that. But you're still going to receive the stimuli that I'm giving you. I'm still in control. There's that control thing again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm going to be the one that drives the action. Yes, you have your safe words. Yes, you have all of your safety features built in but I'm steering the ship. And I guess that's the easiest way to put my view of femdom in. I'm steering the ship. Hearing your answer to that and the explanation of it, because I've been a fetishist and a damsel type. I don't get into sissification because I don't see myself in that way, but there's always the side of me that when I identify damsel, I may put a set of fake boobs in and feel that way. But the control part that you discussed is something that for the first time, I will say, opened my mind to the understanding of it is literally putting your trust in someone to control your actions Because either A, you want to let go, or B, you want to discover what happens when you do. Exactly. Exactly. And for me, I love to be out of control. That's my kink. It's stuck in a moment I can't get out of, is what I always tell people. If you want to know what I'm into, that's what I'm into. We're well balanced. (laughs) But my ability to let go 
is suspect. It is something where I have had to be in control of so much in my life that to totally let go is something that's scary as hell. And I want to, and I desire to, and I want to find those moments. But I also know that when I do that, sometimes I get hurt too, because I discover something that I didn't like about myself, or I didn't like the way I was treated, or it triggers something in me. But the way you described it, and I'm going long-winded now, but luckily (laughs) podcasts don't have a time limit. I can totally see and visualize the kind of relationship that you have with the people that you work with. Thank you. Thank you. That's very, that's very touching. Uh, And it can be very scary and scary. You mentioned that going somewhere you try to capture, and that's a beautiful way to put it, those little moments of where you are actually out of control. And those are the true gifts where you can just shed everything that society puts on us and shed, you know, who you are in regards to, you know, I'm someone's husband, I'm someone's wife, I'm someone's boss, I'm an employee and shedding all of that and just being in that experience of a soul and a spirit engaging with another soul and another spirit in a pure energetic form. And I know I'm going all esoteric here. Everybody's (laughs) going to be like, what, what's she talking about? But those few moments, and it can be 10 minutes in a session and it can be an entire session, or it, it can be every time you're together. But those are, I think, our true tre- treasures in life. Yeah. And, and, it, and it, can, it can have a power exchange concept, or it can just be, it can be a vanilla. But when you strip away all the stuff, and that is what BDSM uh, in some context allows us to do, is it strips away everything and takes us to our pure form. And that's how we engage with each other. And that's one reason I love it so much is that there's hopefully there's not a lot of outside junk that gets in when we're engaging and connecting. Have you ever wanted to try something a little kinky in the bedroom but had no idea where to start? Or maybe your partner just told you they're into water sports. No, not the jet ski kind. And you really want to fulfill their fantasy, but you're nervous. That's totally normal. I'm Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist who's talked about kink in magazines like Cosmo, Playboy, and Glamour, and on my podcast, The Dildorks. My new book, 101 Kinky Things Even You Can Do, is a guide to some of the hottest and best-known kinks out there, from age play to zapping and everything in between. Each section offers three suggestions for ways you can try out your new interest with a partner or even by yourself. Curious? Order your copy now at 101kinkythings.com and start learning new things about your sexuality. This is Alicia Zadig, author of the new book, Yes, Mistress. I'm also Mistress Alicia, a leading dominatrix and BDSM expert. My book, Yes, Mistress, takes you on a provocative, 
eye-opening journey into the erotic worlds of kink, fetish, and female domination. Join me for a fascinating conversation. Male submission is more common than you think, and more rewarding than you can ever imagine. Yes, Mistress, now available on Kindle, and you can order your copy at yesmistress.com. I wanted to take a moment to tell you about my friends at Lotus Blooms. Lotus Blooms is an adult shop with a different kind of feel. You'll notice the difference when you walk into the warm, welcoming shop where everyone is welcome and celebrated. They offer a beautiful collection of size-inclusive lingerie and steel bone corsets, and their staff loves helping folks find something they feel amazing in. They also carry a curated collection of body-safe sex toys and vibrators, impact toys, and restraints. And their incredible staff are trained as educators, and they look forward to helping you explore your pleasure. Visit them in Alexandria, Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C., or shop online at www.lotusblooms.com. Are you liking what you're hearing? Check out the Total Archives wherever you find your podcasts. And please, remember to subscribe so you don't miss a minute. And while you're there, help John out by giving him a rating and a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Now let's get back to what women and other wonderful humans want. Welcome back to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Joining us from the second city, Chi-Town, is Mistress Simone. Do you get a chance to go to improv when you're there? I, I would love to go to second city, or I don't know if IO is still open, but to me, Chicago, so. to me, Chicago is improv. I agree. I mean, look at how many people... Have- Famous comedians have come from here or they've gone through Second City. I mean, I can just say John Belushi and that's it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've gone to the comedy clubs. I haven't in a number of years. And of course, COVID put a big kibosh on that. So uh, it is wonderful for small theater and small theater companies. We have a vibrant, or we did have a vibrant, I don't know how it is since COVID because I've just started going out. Mm -hmm. But before then, especially when I was in my early 20s, I was going to the theater like every night of the week. If I wasn't clubbing, I was going to the theater because I'm a huge theater buff. So it was comedy clubs or Shakespeare or drama. So yeah, it's it's a wonderful town for that. It, It rivals in my opinion especially with comedic new york and, mm-hmm. and i know my girlfriend elena deluca and ariana is going to disagree with me but <laughs> we've got some kick-ass theater here i have often said and mr Simon blue from montreal agrees with me because she is a fellow improviser that if you taught improv to doms and subs they would find a new way of being able to express themselves within scenes. And here's why. Improv is based on the concept of yes and, which is simply taking the gift that is given to you 
and moving forward in that direction rather than the direction that you want to move in. Hmm. Sounds like kink, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Wow, that's a great idea. I actually, one of my personals, my wife, Steffi, is a theater improv. She's done a lot of work here in St. Louis doing improv. It's one of her true loves. She just is crazy about it. I am going to have to have a more serious conversation with her about the concept now that you've mentioned that. And that's a great idea. It's something that I definitely want to teach. I couldn't convince the kinky college people to let me teach it, but it is one that I'm definitely going to keep on trying for because I think it's really cool. What I, would you, I'm going to ask you a question. Yes. What would you bill that class as? How would you title it? Improv for Kinksters. That's what I was going to say. You're just going to keep it yeah. easy and just and improv yeah. for Kinksters. How to, to fly by the seat of your pants. I would basically do some basic improv games. It would be all um, interactive. It wouldn't be something where you'd sit in a classroom and have people listen to you talk. Mm-hmm. I always believe in interactive education that uh, Agree. conversation beats being lectured to anytime. I go and, to that class. That sounds fun. <laughs> well, I, Mr. Simone would go to that class. That, <laughs> there's, there's my little thing there. <laughs> Well, I'm just starting out in, in, this was my first opportunity to teach uh, at Kinky College. So I'm looking forward to many other opportunities. I've done a TEDx talk. I've spoken in front of 30,000 people, but I just want to do a little improv class for kinksters. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. I, I will be in town when you're there, uh, but unfortunately I won't be able to attend with you because I have prior bookings, but maybe we can get together for a cocktail depending on how long you're in town for. I would absolutely love that. That would be <laughs> much, much appreciated. During the break, we talked about the fact that Myself being a 58-year-old white cis het single male, that I have a lot of things I have to overcome. And then I mentioned one other word in there, and that is submissive. Submissive heterosexual males seem to have a rough time fitting in, especially if they're single. Because so many people think they're after one thing, when in actuality, many of us just want to play and experience. You have mentioned during the break that you're very close to someone who, with the exception of the single part, fits into that submissive, heterosexual, cis-het male. And actually, when our relationship started, he was single. (laughs) (laughs) So I grabbed his ass and put a ring on his finger or or a ring somewhere else, as I prefer. (laughs) But so I think it goes back to the two words together, male submissive. And the way that society has traditionally for hundreds of years until now, which there's a big change for more uh, gender fluidity. And I'm glad that it's bleeding and going over into uh, 
what we consider toxic, toxic masculinity, Mm -hmm. which I hate that phrase because being masculine is not a bad thing. I love masculine men. All right. Especially if I get to dress them up or tie (laughs) them up. Uh, It's a huge turn on for me as a mostly heterosexual, sexual, but bisexual woman as well. I love trying up, tying up men. I want, I like my men to be men and my women to be women. And then let's play with some gender fluidity and flip things around. But I think societal norms bleed over into our community, whether we like it or not, because we all come into our community with those societal norms attached to ourselves. Mm-hmm. So when you see someone presenting a certain way, whether it's, via outfits or haircut or makeup or their persona, you make certain assumptions based on what you're visually seeing. And that right there can lead you into a whole hornet's nest of shit, part of my language. Mm-hmm. Because you can easily offend someone by making an assumption just based on their looks. So the classic example that I have from my own playbook is when my husband and I started dating, my husband is a six foot four, uh, metalhead, goatee wearing, tattooed, 200 pound male. So when he walks into the room, it's, you can kind of feel this air just go. So when he would go to BDSM parties, the women would, the women approaching him would automatically assume he was a dominant because of the way he presented and the way he looked. He wasn't doing anything, you know? He didn't have the floggers from his belt. He didn't have a t-shirt on that's a dom. Uh, He was just in, you know, jeans and a t-shirt, but he always got approached by women who wanted him to top them because they assumed based on his look and his energy that he was a dominant. He never, and if he did get approached by a female dominant, she automatically took a harder edge with him because I don't know if it was, he's a big guy, so I got to be a super bitch to him. You know, the whole get down on your knees and serve me. And he's just like, look, I just want to have a conversation with you and maybe you can tie me up because that's what I like, or let me kiss your boots. And, you know, once he came off as a human or a person, they didn't want anything to do with him. So I think as a, as a male submissive, you guys are kind of screwed because you're a submissive, which a male is not supposed to be in our, in our society. And you're a cis male, which has gotten a bad rap over the last couple of years. So it makes it extremely difficult for you to go out and seek a relationship without being met with negativity right away. That was very (laughs) long-winded. And sometimes we come off as needy. And this goes back to the ask versus guess thing. When we say what, when we say, this is what I would like to experience and I will always, because realizing that many dominant women are treated like a fetish dispenser. Yes. I always say, this is what I would like to experience. 
but this is a conversation between the two of us, and I want it to be something that brings joy to you as well. But by the time I get to the second part of that, that sentence, a lot of things are already turned off. Right. Because you started with, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And most of, of the femdoms I know, especially if we are professionals, the most common thing that we hear is, what are you going to do to me? Mm-hmm. What will a scene be like with you? And, mm-hmm. you know, what, you know, how are you going to get me there? And it's always, it's always, what can I do for you? And like you said, as a fetish dispenser. Mm-hmm. Now, now I know that I'm a professional. If I didn't, I'm in the wrong business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know that the people who do engage with me come to me because I am skilled in administering a wide variety of fetishes and they want to seek that. Mm-hmm. So if you're coming to see me and you are into bondage and you say, mistress, I want bondage as a professional, I have to respect that and listen to it mm-hmm. because I'm not going to beat the shit out of someone that that's not what they want. Lifestylers as a lifestyle dom, I don't have to have that same openness, I guess, for people who come to me and say, I want you to do this. It's like, well, that's really, I'm not interested in doing that with you. So I can shut you down quicker, Mm -hmm. which may not necessarily be a good thing. I may want to listen to you. You Also, a lot of submissive males get a bad rap because they do seem needy and pushy. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's because you... No, I mean the overall you, not mm-hmm. you. <laughs> um, when you see a female dominant or you know there's a female dominant in the room because uh, traditionally there are less of us than there mm-hmm. are of you, mm-hmm. all right? <laughs> it's like one in three, one in mm-hmm. four. So when you see one of us in a play party or a munch, it's like gold. And mm-hmm. you're just like, oh my God, there's a female dominant. And you just... You're all excited. And instead of taking a deep breath, a lot of us get overwhelmed because you guys just want so bad. Mm-hmm. Not realizing that in most of the instances, it comes from a place of, of desire and eagerness can be translated to be pushy and needy. I'm going to literally just put myself out there to you right now and let you criticize me all you want if you want to in is that the kinky, what you want me to do no <laughs> what i would like is an honest assessment of the way i approach people i posted this on the kinky college bottoms looking for tops thread oh god <laughs> which is where allegedly bottoms are looking for tops. Now there's also the tops looking for bottoms too. Okay. But I often believe that if nobody knows me up there, which nobody will, because I'm coming from Cincinnati, I'm coming by myself. Nobody knows me other than Dan and Don, who are Yay, friends of ours. Yay, Dan and Don. 
<laughs> so I said, hi, I'm John, also known as Hi There Catsuit. I'm a straight male who loves his catsuits and identifies for scenes in damsel mode. I love impact. Vloggers are my best friends in sensation scenes. What I would really love to explore with someone is a true villain damsel dynamic. And I'm in a real peril and predicament where I live on the edge of fear and fantasy. I would also like to explore some heavy sensory deprivation with someone who enjoys tantalizing in that. And finally, if someone has the desire to have a colorful catsuit as a canvas for some rope, I'm always up for that. Important note, I am here to experience and not to look for a hookup. I am addicted to the moments that kink brings me, and I want you to feel the joy of the experience as well. This is not about you doing something to me. It's about us being together for a beautiful connection and kink. I thank you and please feel free to reach out to me personally. Be well and be good to yourself. Is okay. Pushy? It was until the last part. Mm. <laughs> you, you redeemed yourself with the last bit that you put in with the, I want you to enjoy it as well. This is not about you doing things for me. You acknowledge the fact that it's a connection and it's an exchange. Before that, I was going to give you shit about it because mm -hmm. it was I, 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 I. Right. But then you redeemed it with the last paragraph and what you said there. So mm -hmm. if I was reading that, I would be getting frustrated by the fourth or fifth time you've said of what you like. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, I'm not a doomy top. Mm -hmm. No, but then when you summed it up, you summed it up and you specifically said, I am not looking for you just to do things to me. And you acknowledge the way it may have sound and, or the perception that male submissives mm -hmm. have. So I think it was very well done in the end because you were clear about what you wanted my only concern is how many female dominants read to the end i understand the thing that i will point out and want your opinion on is i talked about what i would love to explore or what i love and i put in there in there i would like to explore blank it wasn't, I want you to do this to me. I, I, I want every, it says, I want to explore. Right. Which to me puts it out there saying, this is what I enjoy, but I'm putting the concept out to you rather than saying, I want you to put me in a leather hood with a gag <laughs> and I want you to blindfold me and make sure that I can't hear anything by putting in noise canceling headphones that are playing heavy metal music. That's asking for a fetish dispenser. Yes. Yes. That, that is actually someone who has a very tight script of what they want step by step. And me as the mistress am supposed to follow it. Mm -hmm. And I am not a fan of scripted sessions or scripted encounters, unless it's something that we predeterminedly agree, agree on. Did I say that right? I think so. Mm -hmm. The only thing I would say as a, as a white bisexual, mostly het woman mm -hmm. mistress mm -hmm. is that I would ask you 
and maybe it comes from years of, of experience and engaging in scenes. I would ask you what you mean by you want to explore. Okay. Other ladies or people mm-hmm. uh, may see I want to explore as another way to say I want you to do to me. Mm-hmm. Make sense? I can get that. I totally get yeah. that. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, he's saying I want to explore fill in the blank. That just means he wants me to do this to him so he can see if he likes it. <laughs> yeah. In, so. in all three of these cases, they are things I haven't necessarily done before. Mm-hmm. I have had sensory deprivation where somebody puts a blindfold on me and, and even puts headphones on me or whatever, but I haven't felt like I am totally clueless as to what's going on. Um. I have had damsel in distress, but I've never felt as though, holy crap, should I have asked for this in the first place? (laughs) And I will tell you that our conversation this evening has brought me two great lessons. And I hope that it was something that you enjoyed talking about because I don't want you as an advice dispenser either. But <laughs> I, what I thought you could provide the perspective of, especially since we talked about during the break is to be able to open yourself up to new possibilities, to open yourself up to putting trust into what the other person wants to explore with you. I don't have the verbiage to put in one of these threads. I want to do what you think is right for me without Mm. telling you what is right for me. Without telling you, this is what I enjoy. You want to do it? That would be great. If you don't enjoy it, fine. We're not going to have a good connection. But unless you put it out there, how will people know what you want? I, I don't disagree with you at, at all. In, in, in fact, even people who have come to see me for 20 years, I still, every time they walk in the door, what do you feel like doing today? Now, it doesn't matter if I know this person inside out, literally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's what are you in the mood for today? What kind of scene do we want? And I'll tell you, I actually have had to explain that to my submissives, why I ask it. And the simple answer is because every day is different. Mm-hmm. And one day I may be able to wire your nuts up and electrocute you. And the next, I can't touch you because you're so sensitive, you're so stressed. So we need to work it. Um, and, and most all, and once I explained that to them, they understood it. And I think the best piece of advice I could give you is to communicate with respect, which you seem very respectful, communicate with respect, the things that you are interested in engaging yet don't expect them. hmm And if you say that and put yourself out there, like, I'm not expecting you to be a fetish dispenser. These are the things that I enjoy because if we, and I would preface it with, 
I'm open to new explorations, but these are the things that I enjoy that I found I enjoy within my context. Hmm. All right. But if you don't put that out there, you can also say the next thing would be, I'm sharing these with you to see if we are a, a good match. Because if I don't tell you what I'm interested in, then we may, may not be matched. Mm-hmm. If you aren't a bondage mistress or someone who wants to have fun with it, and I haven't told you that I love bondage, when we get together, we're both going to be disappointed mm-hmm. because I didn't communicate to you. So the one thing I would probably suggest is that you say, I'm sharing these things with you, my interests, so I know, and I'm honest and open with you if we're going to be well suited to play together. Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem, that to me is wonderful. Because you're not coming in with a laundry list. You're not coming in with a script. You're sharing your interests with me. And I can choose to engage with you or not. Mm-hmm. Because the f- one thing that I know every mistress hates to do is play 20 freaking questions. Mm-hmm. We hate that. <laughs> I would rather have you come in with the interests that you want to explore. And then let's mutually see where we can go with them. I'm going to use because I love analogies. I'm going to use the (laughs) analogy of when I was a television producer and I would talk to the photographers for my show. I would never say, I want shot A, shot B, shot D, shot E. And I had a lot of executive producers who would be mad that I did not give them a specific shot list. What I would say is something like this. Give me the perspective of what it's like to be a player in the biggest game of your life. Or show me what a fan feels like when they're not sure if their team's going to be able to pull it out. Uh And it changes the way you shoot a game. Yeah. At least when you're working with. It changes the way you play. And for whenever I top someone, because Toppy Catsuit comes out, it's hashtag Toppy Catsuit because it's a thing. And it's so rare. (laughs) My first question is always, what do you want to feel when this is over? Mm -hmm. What do you want to get out of this? Exactly. And I, I think if you approach looking for play partners in that mode instead of a laundry list, I think you'll get mm-hmm. a lot more response. I think many people, regardless of male submissive, female submissive, queer, straight, whatever, I think if you it, put it out there, what can we share together? What can I do? You know, what can we engage in? Exactly like you said, I think that the response would be a lot more open. And I also think there would be a lot less bad scenes. Because you're open-ending your question and communicating with, huh, where do I want to be at the end of this scene? Do I want to be crying on the floor and, and opening up all kinds of bad memories and working through them? Or do I want to have you know, an euphoric subspace feel? 
what is the end result? Why are we here? Why are we engaging with each other? You know, it's not simply to get to be a damsel in distress, which I think that's adorable. It's not simply to get my ass beat or for you to be my toilet or whatever. It's at the end, when you walk out that door or we go our separate ways, what is the feeling I want from our engagement? My natural follow-up question to this is, and I'm thinking of this in because many people are lifestyle as opposed to professional, but I think the same feeling goes beyond it. What are some of the things that are non-monetary that people can do for a mistress to show gratitude? Say thank you. <laughs> I was going to say, let's start with the most, the most obvious is say a sincere thank you. I've, I really much enjoyed you taking the time and being with me during this encounter, mistress. Now, I, I, I can't mention the number of times where I have felt like a fetish dispenser and people have just, you know, wham, bam, thank you. Oh, you know, you, I got to kiss your toes. Okay, out, out the door we go. Mm. And that's, that, that is as not only a, a lifestyle, but a professional as well. So the simple thing of saying, you know, thank you, I really appreciated your time and your energy, mistress. It meant a lot to me. It right there tells me that you saw me, that I wasn't just a pair of shoes or a leather corset or a flogger or a pair of nipple clamps. Um, and, and I tell those that serve me, yes, it's awesome for you to throw thousands of dollars at me. You know, give it to me. <laughs> but there are so many more things you can do for me that don't cost you a dime or cost you little that make me know that you are appreciative. You can see what I enjoy in regards to service, whether it's doing an errand for me, buying me a meal, cleaning my house, you know, um, cleaning my dungeon, anything like that. It doesn't have to be monetary. And I know that sounds weird coming from a career pro dom because it should all be about the money, but it's not, you know, it's one of the biggest services that one of my personals gives me is cleaning my house. Cause I'm so busy and being duly located. I don't have time to clean my house. And my wife, Steffi comes over, you know, once every other week and, you know, cleans my house for me and keeps it comfortable for me to come home to and that doesn't cost her anything except time so i hope that answered the question <laughs> that's a beautiful question and i am amazed with someone as experienced and as talented as you are and as lovely as you are why in the hell somebody wouldn't say thanks oh my gosh i want to <laughs> slap them <laughs> I'll call you next time they do. And I'll say, cat suit, this guy didn't say thank you today. Can you slap him? It, it's amazing. It's now I, I being a more mature Dom, uh, I weeded out a lot of the ones that don't say thank you, but it still does happen. 
Uh, or even thank you for taking the time to talk to me today, mistress, or, you know, it, it's amazing the people that come at us and expect us to fulfill all those whims and just not even say a simple, you know, thank you for talking to me today, or thank you for sessioning with me. Well, I will finish by saying it has been an absolute honor having you on the show. Our communication to get to this point has been wonderful and you've been delightful. And I really appreciate you not only sharing your story, but helping me understand, and I'm sure helping a lot of our audience understand the right ways, the different ways, the wrong ways to do things and to just be a better person. And I can't thank you enough. Not just because of what you just said, but I really can't thank you enough for taking the time and educating me as well. And I will forever be grateful for that. Well, thank you very much. I mean, it's been a joy. I've had a great time talking to you and the the conversation was was so organic. Uh, I I had a very good time and it's very nice to talk to someone who sees the potential for true connection and or on any level, like we were talking connection before, and also is appreciative of the hard work that goes into both sides of the connection. We will stay in touch, definitely. I look forward to, well, of course, you owe me a cocktail. I do. And I'll be taking your order momentarily. (laughs) I'm a bourbon girl, so (laughs) it was fun. (laughs) I had a good time. Thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate it very much. And you are doing a fantastic job interviewing many of us and and putting out the podcast that I think is is much needed to see or hear about our perspective on life and the things we've gone through. And we thank Mistress Simone for being with us on the show and especially thank her for those lovely words there at the end. This Friday, we will have our first ever in-person interview, an interview that took place during my trip to Kinky College and Minneapolis as we visit with Mistress Lilith Corruptula a very spooky prodom who wants to occupy your mind. And she's a wonderful person, too. That interview coming to you from the Bardo Studio in Minneapolis, Minnesota, this Friday on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. And next week, it's Mistress Natalie from New York City. The legendary pro-dom from the Big Apple will be joining us to talk about a long history in the business, as well as what made her the wonderful person she is today. That premieres next Tuesday on the show. I'm John. As always, thank you for being with us. Thank you for being with us on this edition of the show. I'm John, also known as Hi There, Catsuit. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time, and I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. We invite you to follow us on social media. 
Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky done differently.